Pastor Xavier Reese with this simple truth about giving and receiving. Paul is exhorting the Corinthians to abandon their procrastination, repent, and plant righteousness to reap a harvest of blessings, not money. The focus is blessing. The prayer of Paul is that God might increase the sowing and reaping of harvest of righteousness, not finances. God is able, right? But are we willing? Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Real Estate, Network Marketing, Commodity Trading. Pastor Xavier says you can go to all the Get Rich Quick seminars you want, but if you want true success with your finances, you've got to learn how to give. Let's join him for a message reviewing some important simple truths on the blessings of giving, drawn from the New Testament book of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 through 11. And the message is entitled, The Blessing of Giving. Notice Paul stated, the person who sows generously will reap the same. Listen to his words. But this I say, and it's emphatic, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. This is a well-known agricultural proverb. Now, even though these guys were city people, they were aware of the agriculture because they depended on it. A farmer would um, sow seed sparingly, then he would reap in kind. The more he sowed, the greater chance he would have to reap more. Notice the proverb is easy to understand. The Corinthians were going to give an offering for the poor saints of Jerusalem. This is the context. But then notice Paul stated, the person who sows compassionately will be blessed spiritually. He gives you the literal sowing and reaping, which deals with quantity, but all of a sudden, he changes it to spirituality. Listen to him. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. The word bountifully means blessings. The clear teaching is that the motive is not greed behind the giving, but love for the brethren. The bless. The amount is relevant. The idea being, if a person sows blessings, they will receive blessings in return. Notice Paul made clear the Corinthians had expressed a desire, even the willingness, yet their doing of it had fallen short by their inaction. He had written to the Corinthians to collect the offering for the poor saints. And he just told them that the desire and willingness were good intentions, but the completion of it was an action from what they had, not from what they didn't have. Chapter 8, verse 11 and 12. Look at verse 7. The Apostle Paul declared the principle of returns, uh, return blessings by God is based on attitude, not what a person gives. Attitude. Listen, good actions with a bad or wrong attitude ruins what is done. Yet bad actions with a right attitude is accepted at times. Notice the settled decision here. It's to be made by the individual, but look at in their heart. Paul stated each person was not to give reluctantly by way of warning. So he goes to the negative. Not grudgingly. God doesn't need our money. He wants it to be wholeheartedly. 
Proverbs 11, 24, 25 says, There is one who scatters, yet increases more. There is one who withholds more than is right. But it leads to poverty. The generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. Jesus said in Luke 6, 38, Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. This is what Jesus declared. Now notice secondly, verse 8 and 9, comes the promise of resources. In verse 8, the Apostle Paul declared the promise of supply is the work of God. Don't miss this. Listen. Paul stated God will be working in our hearts to give. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you. The promise is based on the previous verse. Don't miss the connection. God is able to make all grace abound to be a hilarious giver. The word able is emphatic. Able is God. There's nothing impossible for God. Is there anything too hard for me? He told Jeremiah, no. Now look at verse 9. The Apostle Paul declared the promise of supply that it's affirmed by Scripture and confirmed by Scripture. Listen to the words. As it is written, he has dispersed abroad. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Paul is quoting Psalm 112, verse 9. The context in the psalm regards the obedience of man to the Lord's command to be generous. The whole psalm. The phrase, he has dispersed abroad, refers to the lavish imparting of one's goods to others. He is illustrating what he has just taught them in the previous verse. He's using this in illustration and also authority about God providing abundantly to impart for good works. As he said, God will provide our needs and beyond them for the simple reason that we would be obedient in the things that he leads us to be involved in. Jesus, in fact, is used in these two chapters as the highest offering and generosity in the entire universe. In chapter 8, verse 9, it says, Jesus, who was rich, became poor for us that we might be rich. In chapter 9, verse 15, says, And what should we say about God's indescribable gift? Once we think we've given much or whatever, done much, and then God says, Oh, by the way, compare that to me giving my son. We have to hang our head and walk away. And that's the point, ladies and gentlemen. Notice Paul identified the action as a good work of generosity. The action was judged by God as an act of righteousness. Righteousness is related to almsgiving here as the right and just thing to do out of love, wholeheartedness, and noted for all eternity, listen, by God, not man. He's quoting the psalm. Almsgiving is honor when it's done as to the Lord. In his agape love, Jesus pointed this out on the Sermon on the Mount. To not announce your charitable deeds to be seen of men, for you have your reward in Matthew 6, 1 through 4. 
The action of compassion is noted by God, and it endures forever. The word endures means to abide, remain, for all eternity. In the mind and awareness of God, which is the most important, and the only one that counts. Jesus said, when you did it to the least of these, my brethren, you did it unto me, Matthew 25, 40. By the way, that context is how the Gentiles or anybody else will deal with the Jews during the Great Tribulation. That's the context. I don't know if you ever heard of George Mueller. Yeah, get pick up his book, one of them, George Mueller, Man of Faith. And he was uh, constantly depending on God. And everything, he ran orphanages in England, and with all abounding grace of God, all sufficiency, always trusting the work of God that God had called him to do. And he didn't believe in begging or anything else. And one day, there was nothing to eat. And he kept telling the kids, hey, don't worry about it. God's going to provide this and that. And he kept putting it off. And finally, it just got so late and everything else and things were going on. He just called them to the table. And they began to pray, giving God thanks for what they were about to receive. When as they were praying, there was a knock on the front door. The milkman was standing there. Mr. Mueller, my car broke down in front of your orphanage, and the cheese and the milk will spoil. Could you use them for yourself? Ladies and gentlemen, this is Calvary Chapel, Pasadena. Without boasting. God has provided miraculously in all kinds of different ways. The divine promise is absolute. God will provide the resources and the grace for each of us to walk in good works related to godliness. But it is not the promise of money alone or the amount of money. That is not the point. The human responsibility to ensure God's promise of having all sufficiency in all things, is based on obedience, stewardship, and priority living in partnership with God. As I said, seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all those things shall be added unto you, Matthew 6.33. The problem is people, even in the church, sometimes are seeking the things first in order to walk with God. Or they say, okay, I'm going to start walking with God, now where are the things? <laughs> Again, the problem is the attitude, the perspective, the heart. The history of Israel and the church reveal the truth of God's promise to supply all grace, to abound, always having all sufficiency in all things for every good work. The law said that Israel would lend to others, never borrow. And that was always the case until they turned their back on God. They began to compromise. As long as you depend on the Lord, you'll blow your mind what he does for you. The provisions for loved ones to be redeemed were in the law. Those who were in debt, they sold themselves in servitude within. They were to serve for six years, then let loose. Uh, even the lending, the Jew was never to take interest from his own brethren. They were just to lend without interest. The care of orphans, widows, was the top priority in the law. God will leave the corner of the fields unreaped so that they could go get food. See, God doesn't believe in lazy people. God says, you're hungry? There's a corner of the field. Get out there and pluck it and eat it. Don't be a check and cheese line. Go work. He's talked about that in the Thessalonians, remember? Simple. 
Christians began the majority of educational systems, universities, not the pagans. Christians began hospitals and orphanages, not the atheists. Christians began mission outreaches to the poor, not the agnostic. Philippians 2, 12, 13 says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Amazing. The promise of resources based on what? The faithfulness of God. Not us. Oh, but you don't understand. You know, I, I've, I've gone to school. I'm a doctor. I'm a lawyer. Really? God may provide through a law agency. God may provide through a hospital. God may provide through Edison. But it's God who provides for you. Where did you get the brains? Who gave you your health? Let's not lose perspective, ladies and gentlemen. The promise of resources is based on the faithfulness of God. Notice thirdly. Verse 10 and 11, the practice of ongoing investing. In verse 10, the Apostle Paul broke out in a prayer for the Corinthians for the increase of their generosity as reinvestment. Paul in his prayer stated, God is the one who is faithful to supply our daily needs. He comes back to this, but listen how he says it. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. It is God who provides the seed to the farmer and water generously. That's the idea here, the same theme. The word supplies is in the present active tense here. Our context is the believer, not the non-believer. Paul is exhorting the Corinthians to abandon their procrastination of this offering. Repent. And plant righteousness to reap a harvest of blessings, not money. The focus is blessing. The prayer of Paul is that God might increase the sowing and reaping of harvest of righteousness, not finances. The word supply means to furnish a chorus at one's own expense, lavishly as a public service. Interesting word. The idea is that there is a personal cost. Sacrifice considered and planned for, not merely abundance of supply. No coincidence he uses this word. And then one more word, the word increase. Again, cost to grow. So he uses different words in the Greek to just emphasize all of this. The tense of all these three words, supply, multiply, and increase, this expresses a voluntary force by the person to yield in the present and the future. In other words, he already said God is able, right? But are we willing? Our part doesn't happen. He doesn't force us. He doesn't compel us. He leads us, and he waits for our response. Is God a perfect gentleman? God is always willing and leading, but we must also be willing and yielding. Then in 11, the Apostle Paul declared that the practice of reinvesting is based on proper perspective. He comes back to that. That is very important. Paul stated the Corinthians were blessed, listen, to bless others. Listen to the words. While you are enriched, 
being enriched in everything for all liberality. The word enrich is in the present passive, indicating God as the agent enriching the Corinthians. The blessings are qualified. Everything, all things, not just for them. See, our nature is like Daffy Duck. Mine, 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 all mine. Selfish. The blessings were not so they would be greedy and selfish, but more benevolent and more generous. The same principle of sowing and reaping includes consistent stewardship. That's not excluded. The manner of their giving was to be with all liberality. Mark that well. Continuing to impart by God's love. There being a conscious awareness of accountability to God for what he had and continued to supply. And then notice Paul stated the result. People gave thanks to God for their loving generosity. That's the bottom line. Which causes thanksgiving through us to God. The Jews would recognize the love of the Gentiles for them and hopefully they would respond and reciprocate in that same love because of the animosity that was between them. This is one of Paul's main concerns. But the recipients receiving the generous financial gift would ultimately give thanks to God. Being believers, they would acknowledge the faithful, loving kindness of God. The entire work is sourced in God as the resources given by God. The entire involvement of generosity in the harvest of righteousness is the result of God. Too much of that's to man down here on earth right now in the church. And so we all constantly have to fight against that. One day a successful investor was asked by one of his friends how he had accomplished financial independence. He quickly responded, quote, I resisted the temptation to spend it or always increase my lifestyle of living, and I reinvested my returns. How much more important is that for the Lord? Again, you're the one that determines what and how, never by compulsion. The consistent partnership between God and a man is ongoing. God will be the source of all our supply. Listen to Ephesians 3, 20 through 21. Not to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Man will be the one responsible for the handling of the resources. We must be consistent, faithful. The parables are filled with the responsibility of stewards to multiply and make give an account to their masters. A steward owned nothing. Everything was given to him as entrustment. And we remember in Luke 16, that steward that was a bad steward and he had to give a counsel. He, he couldn't give a counsel. He cooked the books. He called all the debtors. He said, okay, how many you owe? 15? I'll put, say you owe one. How about you? 20. Here, put two. And, 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 and Jesus commended the wisdom of the unbeliever to prepare for himself in the future, not the evil and the dishonesty. And he says, the sons of this world are wiser than the children of God at times with their finances. And he nails the church. The temptation to cut back and not continue to impart often comes, listen, when riches increase. 
First Timothy 6.10 says, The love of money is the root of all evil. The love of money, not money. For which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness, piercing themselves through with many sorrows. It's real easy to start well. It's if you continue. It's like an investment. You start well. You let the market freak you out. You pull everything out. You lose. You're in it for the long haul. It's real simple. Don't freak out. If everything goes, it's all going to go. It doesn't matter. The warning is clear in Scripture to those who are rich. Listen to 1 Timothy 6, 17, 19. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life. Jesus put it this way to his disciples in Luke 12, 15 through 21. Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of things one possesses. Then he spoke a parable, saying to them, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself, What shall I do, since I have no room to store my crops? So he said to this, I will do. I will pull down my barns and build greater ones, and there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you tonight. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasures for himself and is not rich towards God. Real simple. Now, do you think Jesus wanted his money? <laughs> Let's get serious. Attitude. Perspective. The sovereignty of God chooses who to bless, how much to bless, why or why not he blesses. Contentment and stewardship is key. Philippians 4, 12, 13 says, I know how to be abased. I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens you, who strengthens me. You know anything about that? It's important that you do. Confidence in God and his wisdom keeps us from bitterness and covetousness and living for his glory. Again, Philippians 4, 19 and 20 says, And my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father, be glory forever and ever. Amen. Wow. The practice of ongoing investing is based on recognizing our partnership with God. And so the apostle has focused on the blessings of giving, declaring it is based on these three things as he is ministering to the Corinthians about the poor saints in Jerusalem. The principle of returns is based on our joyous giving for the work of God. The promise of resources is based on the faithfulness of God. And the practice of ongoing investing is based on our recognition of our partnership with God. You can't get more simpler than that. Paul is straight to the point. 
that God can give us wisdom. Pastor Xavier Reese offers the simple steps necessary in order to be in God's will for your finances. And you can request a copy of today's challenging study titled The Blessing of Giving. And as always, it's available on CD for just $4. And by the way, this will also contain everything Pastor Xavier shared with us the last time we were together as well. Now that title to ask for once again is The Blessing of Giving. Or simply mention today's date when you write Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And it's important that you include the call letters of this station when you contact us. How do you fight a winning battle? Join Pastor Xavier Reese as he helps us develop a strategic battle plan for victory in spiritual warfare. That's right here on the next edition of Simple Truths. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com